Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome from Newsbusters. We're those annoying super patriots who always stand for the national anthem and say the Pledge of Allegiance when it begins. And we root, root, root for the home team in the Olympics, in the World Cup, just about anywhere America competes in athletics around the globe. Well, this would make us different than the global opinions folks at the Washington Post. Jason Rezaian wrote a column with the headline, I'm Team USA, but it's more important, Iran advances in the World Cup. Obviously, this came before the big game. He began, I always root for Team USA in any international sporting event, but when it comes to our World Cup match Tuesday against Iran, I think it's more important our opponents make it to the next round. So, Jason, you just contradicted yourself. I always root for Team USA, but today I'm not rooting for Team USA. I'm rooting for Iran. Nice. Yes. Now, if you go under, you're like, who's this Jason Rezaian guy? You go down to his uh, explanation at the bottom of the article. Jason Rezaian is a writer for Global Opinions. He served as the Post correspondent in Tehran from 2012 to 2016. He spent 544 days unjustly imprisoned by Iranian authorities until his release in January 2016. So let's underline, the guy who was a hostage in Iran was rooting for Iran in the World Cup? What on earth? Now the headline is meant to provoke, I think, and to get you to click on it. What he's really trying to say is that if Iran wins, there's more focus on the Iranian protesters. So he ends with, should Iran win, it would advance to the next round of the contest for the first time, capturing even more of the global spotlight for its admirable freedom fighters. In exchange, the U.S. men's national team would be eliminated. That would be a blow for this fan. But some things are even more important than soccer. <laughs> now, that, that's really intriguing spin, which is let's root for the soccer team from the Islamo-fascists to win, to focus more on the protesters. There's only one problem with this, Jason, and that is the Iranian freedom fighters were rooting for the U.S. to win. Uh, Bobby Ghosh of the so-called Bloomberg News Agency, uh, Curtis Howe caught this, where he was saying that uh, he had heard that the Iranians were rooting, the Iranian freedom fighters were rooting for the U.S. Remarkably, already I'm seeing reports out of Iran that Iranians are celebrating the American victory. That is something wow. I would not in a million years have expected to see in my own lifetime, which tells you that they hate their regime and they hate the team that represents that regime even more than they were taught to hurt, to hate the United States. So there you have it. Jason Rezaian is on the wrong side of the Iranian protesters. Maybe he should have checked with his contacts before he went off saying, I'm rooting against America. The Washington Post, rooting against America. Joining us on the Newsbusters podcast today, once again, Associate Editor Nick 
Night Train Fonda Carroll. Also, I don't know. We need a new headline. We need a new uh, nickname for constantly watching The View. Maybe a Viewmaster? <laughs> like, like I, I had that toy back when I was little. I was going to say, that's kind of an antique. That dates you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, that, that's got to be, I mean... <laughs> Talk about a really early version of like the the, a the VR, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know, ooh, yeah. look, 3D pictures. I mean, I, yeah, we had <laughs> click, v, click. we had Viewmasters too as kids, but it's sort of like saying, yeah, hey, we played Pong. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it seems very antique. Uh, we were going to discuss some of the latest on the View today. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's let's start here on Monday. Thanksgiving weekend is over. And it was time for anti-Catholic bigotry. Yes, the Supreme Court was in session, and there was a religious liberty case, and the View ladies, being a bunch of non-Christian people, they might they claim these. Oh, Sunny Sunny claims that she's a devout Catholic. And pants on fire. All right, so and we'll be played a nun. So I guess that I guess that filled like <laughs> that's where she thinks she's a theologian. Also, and so. Uh, they they were basically saying Amy Coney Barrett needed to recuse herself from this religious liberty case because she's an uber Catholic. And then, of course, it was, as you noted, it was quickly expanded to all the Catholic justices. What? Sonia Sotomayor isn't going to land on the right side? Exactly. I don't even think they, like, they're they're basically saying, like, they're like, oh, like, there's the majority religion on the, the bench is Catholic. And I don't even think they realize that Sonia that's that Sotomayor is Catholic at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a a problem here because the view, well, you call it a cackling coven. Yes. I would call it a cabal of elitists. You know, I mean, yeah. they, uh, secular elitists. I mm-hmm. mean, they they represent Manhattan. That's the, you know, Manhattan and maybe San Francisco and Hollywood. You know, they're very blue, the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to this, I mean, at least... They had to kind of correct people uh, making things up. Yeah. So on Monday, they were basically because Amy Coney Barrett is a part of this group called People of Praise, which is just like a group of Catholic people who do things together. It's like a social group. And Joy Behar was out there talking about calling it a hate group. Unsure where she was getting that designate. Oh no, she was getting it from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, who they just throw hate group onto any old group. Well, I mean, I'm shocked that the Media Research Center hasn't made it. Not that I want that, but yes, a lot of social conservatives get designated as a hate group by these left wing radicals. Yeah. So the next day on Tuesday, basically, uh, at the beginning of the show, Joy comes on and basically being like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake." I, I was getting it confused with another group. It's on how, how like you, you're reading from a list. So I don't know what you mean by you confusing with another group. And then Whoopi sort of chimes in. It's like, oh, it's sort of like confusing people's names, like forgetting somebody's name. And she goes, sometimes I call Joy Sarah, just confusing the two white women on The View for each other. Well, they all look alike, I guess. I guess. Well, yeah. I don't <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah, um, but it's... that's kind of the way. Look, that's that's pretty lame. Uh, you know, nobody expects that Joy Behar is going to have those facts down, and yet they'll still pose as the people who are for truth and facts. And if if sort of confusing or 
confusing or unsure of your what you're calling a hate group when you're talking about a Supreme Court justice. She, she at one point wasn't even sure that Amy Coney Barrett was even still Catholic. Oh, I got a clip here for you, and it's basically her sort of mistakenly thinking that ACB had renounced her faith. Let's take a listen. Now, here's my question. Do, now, she is, you know, a religious person. She belongs to this People of Praise a group, which the... Um, the um, Southern Poverty Law Center has labeled them a hate group, mm. and their founder has questioned the so-called separation of church and state. Uh, they believe uh, that sex should occur only within marriage and, of course, between a man and a woman. They've got very specific things that they believe. She's Catholic by faith. Mm -hmm. she's Who, a, she's, she's, yeah, she's but Catholic. She was. And she reportedly... She, no, she is. No, she's yes. Catholic. So what's those people as other, side group? Oh. As are the majority of yeah. the Supreme Court justices. Are Catholic, and, yeah. And so they don't recuse, them, recuse themselves when they have to deal with religious issues. So... Yeah, like she had to get corrected for it. Like the rest of the cast is just like, what? Well, if she had <laughs> renounced her Catholic faith, she's no longer a danger that needs to recuse herself. She was basically treating like like what she was sort of sounding like she was getting at when she was talking about the people of praise and like her association with them is basically that they're almost like some sort of splinter cult group of of. Christianity or something because she was just basically like they believe these crazy things like you shouldn't have sex before marriage oh no and marriage and marriage is between a man and a woman oh no <laughs> yeah it, like she doesn't even know what classic like Catholic teachings are what the doctrine is yeah I mean this is sort of what we saw before in the whole Da Vinci Code era with Opus Dei and mm -hmm. you know it's uh it, you know devout Catholics might join that, and they might not. But you know, Sonny Hostin's not a devout Catholic if she can't correct Joy Behar in real time. Like, well, that's sort of what I see, like, Alyssa Fair Griffin and a lot of these, like, apologists, former Republicans, these fake Republicans that they have on the show, where they basically just go on and, like, self-flagellate. Oh. <laughs> to, to, like, yeah, because we're talking about Opus Day. Right. So, like, just, like, the self-flagellation about, I'm sorry, I, spent, I was in the Trump administration. I was sorry I was a Republican. Well, Joe Scarborough's still doing that. I'm yeah. sorry we ever investigated the Clintons. <laughs> Charlie Sykes. I'm sorry I talked about conservative issues on the radio. <laughs> we also had Sonny at this point too, just sort of making the deal that we brought, making the point that we brought up earlier, which was she, she was just like basically arguing that all Catholics, all the Catholics on the Supreme Court should recuse themselves whenever there's a religious issue. Well, I mean, we've, we've also had Jewish justices with Elena Kagan, with Stephen Breyer. They would never say, well, all the Jews need to recuse. I mean, yeah. I just don't think that would come up. I mean, on some level, I think one of the reasons for that in that case is the Jewish members are liberals. You know, they are socially liberal, so it doesn't come up. I mean, what they're really basically trying to say is that conservatives should recuse because they're conservatives. That's sort of what happens. And they have this mentality where they want to say, oh, the Supreme Court justices do things, the conservative Supreme Court justices do things the liberals don't do. So when some of them attended the last Federalist Society convention, the, mm -hmm. the, the liberal journalists were like, how dare they attend this conservative lawyer group? We can easily, you go into Google, you say Ruth Bader Ginsburg, American Constitution Society, which is a liberal ripoff of the Federalist Society. She's appeared there several times. So 
I, I always make that point too whenever they were freaking out that it's like, oh, the Federalist Society gave Trump a list of justices to pick. Yeah, other liberal groups too will give, will pull forward a list of liberal justices or people for nomination. Yeah, it, so it, alliance, both sides do this. The Alliance for Justice, I think that's the big thing of theirs. I mean, and obviously, yeah, yeah the American Constitution Society might as well. And that, yeah, that is okay. I mean, let's face it, Nick, that was part of the way, reason that Christian conservatives or social conservatives in general decided they could vote for Trump after he said, oh, these were some of the justices I might name and and I'm going to, you know, make Mike Vent Pence my vice president. And that was like, oh, OK. Yeah. But but sort of going on to what we were talking about a little bit. So you had Sarah Haynes, uh, Sarah Haynes, who has been more of a defender of the ability for conservatives to have their own opinions than Alyssa has on the show because she's basically saying it's like I I like I may not agree where where Amy Coney Barrett gets her judicial philosophy from but I don't think her philosophy is wholly just her religion that she has the ability to put aside things and be impartial so she basically is defending them um and, and she basically points out, it's like, uh, uh, I'm just going to quote her here for a second. So, As the general public, we hear about the headlines of the results, not how they got there. It's kind of like a math problem, she points out, that they have to cite and source every single part of their opinion when they're writing it out. So it's not like she's just going to cite the Bible or anything like that or just use her personal preference for it. She needs to go to these scholarly sources and be like, here legally is how I'm going to justify this argument. Right. Especially when it's religious liberty and we have a lot of a lot of other cases when it comes to because basically the the court case that's coming up is a woman who runs a website a company that makes websites for people's weddings right she doesn't want to do a website for a gay wedding right which is this it's basically the cake again. yep, yep. the cake of the internet so but, i mean well look this is this is where they are and that is in this in today's era you're never allowed to disapprove of lgbtqia plus plus sounds like a bad streaming service but (laughs) yeah like the whole thing comes down to like the freedom of not just the freedom of religion but also a freedom of association right like and they really don't want to be around like for them they don't want to be around conservatives really but they want to make us be around folks that believe like them well that's true i mean that's actually an intriguing thing is like could we have a case where we were like you're refusing to have an actual conservative on the view is yeah. some sort of discrimination case. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I, obviously, now you would say in the grand legal sense that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and so on would say, well, freedom of association is going to be limited because we're not going to let you say no blacks get to stay at this hotel, etc. So so there was obviously a limitation there. But they, of course, want to take that and, and extend it everywhere with the LGBTQ thing. Yeah, and with the LGBTQ thing, like t- on today's episode of The View, they were celebrating the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act and all of that. And you had Whoopi that just went on this completely unhinged tear. Unhinged is like the prime way to describe it because she's essentially saying that Christians or is quote religious people, as she says, because but we know they're talking about Christians. There's no way they're talking about the Muslims or the Jews. Right. And. She basically says that Christians want gay people to die. Or they want they want doctors not to provide them health care, thus letting them die through a lack of treatment. We'll take a listen to that. If we're going to talk about what, you know, what we should be doing. I mean, quite honestly, 
I need all of the religious people to understand that those who do not who do not follow or subscribe to your beliefs also have rights in this country. They have the right not to believe. You don't have to. I don't have to believe what you believe. You don't have to believe what I believe. But you don't really have the right to stand and tell me that you're a doctor, but you won't take care of me because I'm gay. I would well, like to know the footnote for that one. I tweeted at uh, Brian Tetta, their executive producer, who's on there with the set with them, and they, 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 they ask him things on occasion, and he's on camera on a few times and i and i tweeted at him I'm like hey what is abc standards and practices going to make her apologize for this this is disinformation it's hate speech none of this is true and where did she hear it because we should know like wh what is she reading and listening to that she's getting this disgusting view of christians yeah i mean it, it to me it sort of reminds me of the way or the, the kind of discussion we had when the aids epidemic came on and, you know, Patrick Buchanan did a column and said this was nature's retribution against the gays. And then there was this whole notion that, uh, you know, conservatives just want all the gays to die off, which is, which is again, not true. And I think it is important. It, you know, if we have to deny it, we're going to deny it. And that is, no, we're not for, for gay people dying in mass. That would seem to be anti-Christian in its mentality. It's because she doesn't have any sort of understanding about like what Christian beliefs are. Because I again, like I want to know where she hears this. Because it might also be the same place where she heard the Holocaust wasn't about race, right? So or that somehow it's rape. It's not rape. It wasn't rape. Rape. Exactly. It's it like was... where is she getting? Like is she like does she do? Is she high all the time? Because we know she she's a very big partaker, and she's not <laughs> oh, she's not a, shy about it. Like is, is she just high on the set? And she's on up the with medicinal this? marijuana, but maybe uh, not so no medicinal. medicinal. No. <laughs> they are in New York and all. Uh, yeah. So the uh, then we'll turn to Twitter. Obviously, the left in general has been totally freaking out about Elon Musk taking over Twitter, and uh, they had Alyssa Milano on. And yeah. once again, when Alyssa Milano is the voice of reason, you know The View is a pretty desperate place. Uh, uh, but she and Whoopi got into it. Yeah, like basically they 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 opened up the they wanted her to talk about Elon because she had just did her little virtue signal of I'm selling my Tesla, Most, <laughs> mostly because of the Me Too thing because he got accused and something like that. But she basically proliferated this 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 idea that he is personally responsible for the prolonging of global hunger because he didn't give the 40 billion that he spent on Twitter to UNICEF which is the organization that she is like an advocate for. Well, the liberals always do this where they say, "Well, I'm going to tell billionaires where they should have put their money." Yes. And it's like it's a free country, hate to break it to you. That's like saying and okay, Alyssa, how much of your fortune's going to UNICEF as opposed to, oh, I don't give to it. I just do publicity for it, and that counts. Yeah, and she, the the the, the bizarre conversation that she and Whoopi had, like uh, 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 Milano was basically saying that's like she, when she goes on Twitter, she's scared that something's going to come out of the screen and hit her, which I'm just going to fact check her here and be like, nothing can come out of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hate to break it to you, you don't need a helmet. She she also admitted that she's apparently spent a, like a very long time talking to her therapist about the comments she gets on Twitter. Well, so. I mean, it's this we understand. It's like you know, don't don't get too concerned about notifications from people who have twenty seven followers. You don't really have to care what they have to say. Exactly. And Whoopi said the quiet part out loud when they were talking about like what the future of Twitter is and how Twitter should be approached. Where and we we have the clip for you here, but she basically argues that liberals need to leave Twitter until they quote get the control. <laughs> so like it, it's all about. We'll just play the clip here, and you'll you'll hear it for yourselves. Do you think you'll stay on it? Yeah, because we can't cede that territory. Mm. It's like a turf war now. Ah, that's no, how I look at it, and not, we can't. Not I that, can't. Not that that one. You don't. There's other ones you can come and grab. Leave that to them, because that's what that is meant to be now. It's not meant to be any better. But if than we're what not we're representing seeing. our yeah. side of of the the political discourse, aren't we? Aren't we just saying, you know what? You can have Twitter. You're well, over. I'll tell you, some some things you have to walk away from until you can, can get the control you need of it. Right. right now, there's no way to get this control. Yeah. And so find the ones that you can get and fix and then come back and run that over. Well, Alyssa was saying that, you know, it's a turf war now. Yeah. Which I guess it is. Hey, it's a free for all. Liberals don't get to dominate. They're very upset because they think the natural progressive state of things as they dominate everything and at least milano was saying like we should be here to have the be there for the political fight we need to be here to represent represent our argument and fight but Whoopi is just sort of like we need the control we got to go find someplace else grab that and make that the center of discourse and conversation so it's all about they, they basically admit like it, it's all about the control of the platform the control of what the dialogue and the conversation could be about well, with like the hunter biden is right. A perfect example. Right. They had the control. And Elon has been hinting that they're go they're going to release all of their internal messages about the Hunter Biden decision. Nice. And he basically had said what we were pointing out with our with our poll about um, the media withholding information from the voters, which is saying that Twitter interfered, to quote him, interfered with elections. Well, I mean, they very clearly suggested to people, first they tried to ignore it, then they ran around saying... Russian disinformation, you know, a, a panel of experts. Well, yeah, what you got was a whole bunch of national security officials that hated Trump, most of them Democrats, saying this must be Russian. Dis it has the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, and they shot it down. I mean, you know, the problem here is this is where Alyssa Milano is right, Nick, and that is, you know, I, I never got into, like, parlor because if it's just a site where it's just conservatives talking to each other, that's like, oh, okay, that's all right. But but Twitter's more fun because you can get in there and, and yeah. fight with the libs and own the libs. Yeah, like I like interacting with some of the people that come after me on occasion. So it's like, <laughs> depending on what it says, and I like, it's it's fun to sort of school them a little bit on stuff and be like, no, you're, like, you're, you're missing the context of this and stuff like this. I'll even have interactions with people in the liberal media and have good discussions about stuff. Like I've talked with people who are on on liberal things about when Sonny was sort of hinting that she might have uh, committed a voter fraud on behalf of her son. And they were like, oh, these are actually some serious, legitimate questions that you're raising. And like th th these questions that are here. And 
in in a lot of instances like you can have like good discussions and they they don't want the discussion they want the control they want to put down what they what they are the ones they deem is the disinformation well they they want control of the narrative they get very upset yeah. when something becomes a thing on twitter because they don't want conservative messaging to become a thing that's always a negative when if the democrats or the left looks bad then something's desperately going wrong democracy's dying in darkness or something yeah and and a great example of that was also on The View this week, where you had Alyssa, who's supposed to be the Republican on the panel. Alyssa Farah, daughter of Joseph oh, Farah. Oh, before we get away from the Alyssa Milano stuff, Alyssa uh, admitted oh, yes. to Alyssa Milano that she got her her mom named her after uh, Alyssa Milano because she was a big fan of Who's the Boss. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I looked this up. Alyssa Milano is 49. Alyssa Farah is 33. I mean, it makes total sense. It's spelled the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know why the conservative Farahs. I mean, obviously, this was before Alyssa Milano when she was on with Tony Danza. Which apparently they hinted on the show. They submitted a script. So it might get picked. You might have, uh, like, I don't know if it's a continuation or like a reboot. Like one day at a time, but they yeah. rebooted it with different people. Yeah, something like that. But I think she's going to be honest. She's part of like the writing team for it. So they might be bringing back Who's the Boss? Well, I mean, back then she was just a teenager. She was not yet a big activist. Yes. So I guess there's that. Yes, but you were suggesting they, the, the topic on Monday was Balenciaga, that they... Had yeah. these images of kids who were posing with like teddy bears in bondage gear. Yeah, they were wearing like the leather straps and stuff. And the kids were in normal clothes, but they're holding these bears with like like the, like the fetish gear on. Uh, and they were surrounded. The kids were surrounded with like other fetish gear on display for this ad campaign or something. And you had Alyssa who she said it was the pictures were distasteful but what she found more distasteful and what she ranted on about for a while was that she was more upset that republicans are going to use this to harm the the lgbtq agenda let's take a listen What's going on here? I found this ad campaign particularly distasteful um, in this moment. So there's this, there's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now. And it, how it's being framed is as portraying, you know, trans people as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. They're groomers. This is where you get the anti-drag queen stuff that we're right. seeing. So Balenciaga played right into their hands by having kids in a sexualized manner carrying something that represents, you know, sex acts. I think it was a really bad misstep at a moment where it's just kind of a dangerous time to even give credence to those kind of insane takes. Yeah. You're the Republican and you're worried that other Republicans are going to say stuff like she obviously sees that as her role, Nick, and that is I'm on here to not so much represent the Republicans. I'm here to be the the quote unquote Republican who denounces the other Republicans. It, it wasn't a repugnant act. It was a misstep at a dangerous time. Like, come on. Well, I mean, it, it's sort of like when the consensus became that what Balenciaga did here was distasteful, then it's sort of like, well, we don't really she didn't really want to focus on them. Or on yep. Kim Kardashian for refusing to disassociate herself. Mm -hmm. It was all about, well, let's go back to hating on the people who talk about groomers. Exactly. And like they noted that Kim Kardashian was rethinking her <laughs> her, her uh, relationship with, with the brand, which I, I'm assuming is going to mean I'm waiting until a check drops. Well, and they never, they never miss 
uh, this idea of being very upset about the anti-drag queen stuff. And they, they just don't seem to understand that this is not just about, well, you know, we think drag queens are disgusting. That's not the point. The point is, let's not sexualize the children at five. Like, you have Anna Navarro, who always goes on about how she had her bridal shower at um, a drag how a drag show place in, I think it's Miami or someplace, and it's, like, her favorite place in the world. And it's like, yeah, you can go there. You're an adult. Right. There's no reason that six-year-olds need to be over there dancing to, wearing the same stuff, having the other drag queens slip money in their underwear. Yeah. Like, the whole thing is disgusting. Like, like that's the part we're worried about, like, that we don't want. And you're trying to make it about everything. Yeah, I mean, there, there's one thing, I guess, when it's like, oh, John Travolta dressed in drag for a movie. That's not what this is. You know, th- these are yeah. these sometimes they look like strip club type of behavior. Yeah, this is an Eddie Murphy dressing up as all the uh, as all of the nutty professors or the clumps, right? Like Right. And, and he's like there is the grandmother and stuff like that. Hercules, that, Hercules. Yeah. Yeah, like this this is not that. And so pretty much there was like no there, there was like the vague of like, oh, this was distasteful as in terms of like what they were doing to the kids. They really didn't come out against the brand and bash the b- brand for harming kids or how this could affect the kids involved or anything like that. What they were more upset about, particularly Sunny, and because she dominated the conversation on this, is how ugly the clothes were. Yeah. That was the big concern. She's like, oh, this, this, they had this one thing. It looked like a garbage bag that was worth $1,700. Well, I mean, there's... There's too much of fashion that's like that. I mean, that right, they're going to find yeah. a place that's kind of safe. I guess we should almost feel grateful that they were speaking, you know, negatively, negatively of all. it at all. Exactly. Now, uh, now it, let, yeah, I was going to say, let's turn to one of your other uh, areas of expertise. <laughs> yeah. Fresh from the shooting range. Yes. Nick Fonicaro, the New York Times on Saturday had a piece headlined at protests. Guns are doing the talking. Investigative reporter Mike McIntyre was accusing gun rights activists with a right-wing agenda of intimidating people. They're increasingly using open carry laws to intimidate opponents and shut down debate in there, public meetings. There, there is, there, yeah, a protest in public. There, what he's describing, there's a legal term for it, and it is a crime. It's called brandishing. Like, like showing off your guns in an intimidating matter, it's called brandishing. He doesn't use the term once in his piece. I assume that that's holding it and pointing it or something, because you remember... Yeah, holding it, not, not even just pointing it. Like, so say if somebody's, like, walking up to you, or, or, like, or you're just, like, walking around, just, like, showing, like, if you have a concealed cane, just, like, showing it, like, intimidatingly, or, like, like, gotcha. to, like, to, like if, if you're in a confrontation and you just, like, show it, that's brandishing. It doesn't mean, like, if you... If you You'll remember they had a, a gun rights rally in Richmond, and and they were the media mm-hmm. was freaking out because they were merely they were holding their ARs or yeah, they had them strapped if, to their shoulder. Yeah, if you're just like slinging it over your shoulder, like if it's a rifle or you you're open carrying where the gun is like in the holster outside, that is a thing that that is. Not brandishing. That is not brandishing. Brandishing is all is like sort of like your body language in terms of how you're trying to intimidate or put force force like a will on somebody just by showing the weapon that's that or, or, or like sort of drawing it and using it without shooting. that's that's brandishing and so there, there is a legal term that he which means he's not allowed to actually call a brandishing but he's using basically the definition without the word 
for claiming that this is what's going on at these protests. But even he admits that shootings are rare and armed protests account for less than 2% of total protests. So he was like citing this, this organization that said there was about like 700 protests. Um, I forget what year it was. Um, and two, only two less than 2% of them, guns were present and part of. And he says when they, and he doesn't admit this until paragraph 42 <laughs> of 50. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All the way down at the bottom. And then he says, when there is violence at these places, it's fisticuffs. So right. it's people just beating up each other with their fists and like blunt weapons and not actually using the guns. He cites one instance of somebody getting shot. And the way he writes it, it appears like the guy shot himself in the foot. No. So, he's an it, so it was it was I believe it was um, uh, a proud boy who shot himself in the foot. So basically the guy was an idiot and discharges negligent discharged into himself. I, I think that it's important for us to explain that when we do these, a lot of times when we write about print articles yeah, and we do this thing where we get out our little pen and start counting the paragraphs because the assumption here is that the average reader, like if you have a story on the front page of the New York Times, mm -hmm. some people might read the first three paragraphs, see it, check the inside page, and they don't go to the inside page. Or if you go to the inside page, you maybe you'll read another five paragraphs and then you go, oh, let's see what's on the next page. Exactly. Is that when you put it in paragraph 42, you're going to get a lot of people who don't get to paragraph 42. It's like when we post a video on Twitter and you go look at your stats and they're like, oh, yeah, 80 or 90 percent of the people did not watch it to the end. Yeah. Like we can see on Twitter, it's like it'll be like the first like few seconds or how many percentages they make it through and it drops off precipitously and it's discouraging. It's like, come on guys, the video lasts a minute. Exactly. Ugh. Have a, have an attention span. Well, that's, that's one of the dangers that I, I see uh, psychologists talk about with TikTok is that it creates a, and, and, and those shorter video formats cr damage people's uh, attention spans. Well, I mean, look, this has been a concern for a long time. It used to be in the earlier days when I was, in the early years at the old MRC, they were concerned because sound bites on network newscasts sometimes would be like 42 seconds. Like a speech of a presidential candidate, they would show you 40 seconds. And by the time we, I guess we got to the late 80s or the 90s, it was like seven seconds, nine seconds. You, you know, you weren't going to show much, mm -hmm. much of anything. Now, the, there are exceptions. Uh, one of them, for example, I was just refreshing myself today. Because we were talking about Obama and Reverend Wright today. Obama gives this big race speech in 2008, and they were running 30, 40 second clips of it because they thought it was so awesome. <laughs> but yes, yeah, uh, yeah and, attention span is an issue. And, and, and part of that, too, is, is when, when they're providing evidence in these, in these writings, like how much of what they're actually talking about, what they're citing is... Is relevant because he cites in this piece McIntyre does he 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 quotes he he cites this incident where men's were men with guns interrupted a Juneteenth festival in Franklin Tennessee and he points out that they were handing out flyers as part of this interruption. They, okay, so they weren't they weren't brandishing their guns. They were handing they, they, stuff they, out. They, they had guns and they were handing stuff out, which the, he classifies as interrupting. So I don't know if there's something like he, he doesn't say they they stormed the stage or something for this rally or something, grabbed blow, blow horns or anything. He, did, he didn't say that at all Well, because he probably would have. But he links to a local NBC affiliate, WSMV4, 
And I went to, to the link, and in their piece they note, Authorities asked both groups to leave, and they complied. No violence or arrests were reported at the Franklin officers after the Franklin officers intervened. Well, I mean, that's look. This is generally the way the conservatives behave. Yeah, is if the police officer tells you to kindly move on, you're like, yes, sir. I guess we've passed out enough pamphlets. But you know yeah. what this is, and yeah. that is, you can't protest at a Juneteenth thing. That's yeah. outrageous. Now you can kneel for the national anthem at a football game, I guess. Yeah, but you can't protest at Juneteenth. And and he and McIntyre basically makes it very obvious that he, like and he sort of decries these different states that how the, the the states that have like the more permissive open carry laws. He names them, and the, the whole thing is just like like he he doesn't like it at all. One of them is Texas, and he almost insinuates that Democratic politicians are in danger when they're going around and, and doing their uh, doing their rallies because he points to an example of. Uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke when he was still the Democratic gov- uh, in candidate for governor and he's like he was confronted by men wearing sidearms and he was warned he was not welcome in this town I, uh, I think they might have also gone on to say they're the hootinous tootinous shootinous bobtail in the west like, like, I don't think that's probably what they said. Does he they, have they, a, no. does he <laughs> <have> a video? <laughs> no, no, nothing for that. What but, is this? Some sort of cartoon? Yeah, you know? I went and looked up Yosemite Sam. Quotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or maybe so, a little foghorn leghorn. Yeah, so like with a gun. Exactly. Like, like they're trying to portray them in like the sort of cartoonish fashion of like you're not welcome in these parts. <laughs> like, and in the picture that they they show of this interaction is a guy with it holstered. He's holding a water bottle, talking to O'Rourke. There's a cop next to O'Rourke, so he has protection. And then there's, like, another guy with a rifle slung over his back. I think his arms are crossed or something. So it's just, like, like nobody's, like, pointing things at O'Rourke. Nothing's happened. Like, they, they're, they're having a conversation in, a, like, a circle around people. It looked like in, in, the, in the pews of a church. They like, just, yeah, they just, basically what you're suggesting is, they don't like open carry because guns scare them. It's just that simple. Yeah, the only and the only incidents like the, he talked to, I believe, it was like seven people. He got like not counting quotes that he pulled from other sources. Like he talked to like about seven different people. Only one of them was pro gun. And the anecdotes that he had, like that the the quote evidence that he had about people being intimidated were just people who seemed like they're just uncomfortable around guns in general. So even if they weren't at a protest, like brandishing or not, like they're, they don't seem comfortable being around firearms. Yeah. So basically it's the same sort of person who would say, uh, I went for breakfast at the waffle house and somebody was open carrying and made me uncomfortable. I didn't get to enjoy my waffle. Exactly. (laughs) So it's, it, it, yeah. (laughs) Enough of my impression of people at the Waffle House. That, that's just vaguely bigoted the way you said that. It's anti-Southern, you Wisconsinite. All right, so, uh, you know, for all these things, uh, uh, Nick does a bunch of things on guns. Nick uh, Nick is a fan of new CNN analyst Stephen Gutowski, yes. formerly of the MRC. And, of course, when you want to catch up with what's going on with that cackling coven... That's when you come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. Bye.